How dear to me is your dwelling, O Lord. My soul has a desire and longing for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh rejoice in the living God. In the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning. It is good to be back and see everyone. Well, there are times when encountering scripture, one can say, oh, I've got this. I understand completely. And what I mean by that is without much context, the meaning is clear. You don't feel lost. There is understanding. That's a really good feeling, isn't it? Well, we have moved through a challenging season where many parables have been presented, and I've done my best to preach through them. But many of them have left even me scratching my heads, wondering, what does this mean? Or seriously, this is the 21st century. How am I to make meaning of this teaching in the world today? Well, if you have ever thought that, and I hope there are a host of hands that will be raised, I appreciate your honesty. As that, I feel, is really how we should approach scripture. From where we are, all that we bring, in the hopes that maybe, maybe, it just might still have meaning, impact. It might help me in my life in some way, and at the base level, perhaps even help me form as a disciple of Jesus. This is the gift of scripture, God's people, written words that can and do have the power to change, transform, reconcile, and restore. And in God's wisdom, he knew we needed a guide. We can't do it on our own. We need instruction. And I do believe that God knew this. And so inspiration was given to folks way back when. And the stories of faith and the stories of Jesus were written down. In the beginning, they were passed orally. But at some point, they said, man, These stories are going to be lost if we don't write them down. And so they did. And as I said before, some scripture, it's hard to discern. It's hard to find your place in it. Hard to find meaning. It reminds me, kind of like life, we have to continue to struggle, continue to try, and continue to make meaning with what has been given to us. So that brings us to today's gospel, a parable that is super short and relatively easy to understand. So it's a story of a Pharisee and a story of a tax collector. Now, a Pharisee and a tax collector They represent opposite ends of the social and religious structure. And this is done for maximum teaching impact. 
So just to be reminded, the Pharisee was one who was guided by scripture, who followed the rules, who prayed, who fasted, who tithed. All of those things required in the law to make oneself holy, to be set apart, he did to a T. And then you have the tax collector, the despised one. The one not looked favorably on by most. He took your money, and oftentimes he helped himself to more than what was due him. But in this parable, and in the Gospel of Luke, that's the book in which this parable comes, everything is turned upside down and inside out. It's helpful to keep that in mind while moving through this Gospel. What you expect to happen never does. And that is exactly what happens in the story. The Pharisee, the religious one, the one who prays continually and studies God's law should be the one to know and understand the ways of God. But instead, he prays and self-righteously says, this, he is not like them. Thank God I'm not like them. In this one sentence, he sets himself up as one who is better than every other person. Simply because he adheres to religious ritual. And that, my friends, is the key. The Pharisee believes he is better because he does religion well. His internal state, his heart, isn't even considered. So juxtapose that with the despised tax collector. He's already on the outs. Nobody likes this person. And assuming the posture of one who is welcome, in the scripture it says he stands back. He stays away. And when praying, he couldn't even bear to look up, to show his face to God. That is how wretched he is and thinks of himself. And so instead of doing all kinds of religious things, what does this man choose to do? He beats on his breast, almost an act of self-defeat, and he cries out to God, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So the Pharisee says, oh man, I'm so glad I'm not like them. And the tax collector says, God, be merciful to me. The tax collector recognizes that he needs God's mercy. He has a posture of humility in his approach to God in that he can't even draw near, he can't even look up. And so he beats his chest, this man that he knows what he needs, and he simply asks for it. 
There's no beating around the bush. He cuts through all the religious banter. He cuts through all the ritual and simply asks God for mercy. And guess what? This was pleasing to God. Much, much more pleasing than the religious ritual display given by the Pharisee. So it seems to me that the moral or the teaching of this parable is easy. Don't be high. Don't, don't. Just don't. Be humble. Strive to not put yourself above others. Why? Because in reality, in the eyes of God, we are all the same. What are we? Simply, we are his children. We are the children of God. But so often in life, we just don't see others this way, do we? Instead, we say this to ourselves, and we think things like, oh, at least I'm not like her. I've got my stuff together, and thank God. I'm not like her, him, them, whatever you want to say. At least I'm not like them. There's a sweet, sweet southern expression that sums it all up for me. And it's three words, and I bet you many of you know it. When we get to feeling this way, sometimes we just say this. Well, bless her heart. Oh, mercy, bless her heart. You know, we've all said it. Bless her little heart. <laughs> it goes on and on, doesn't it? It's so easy to fall into the trap where we compare ourselves to others. And when we do, what always happens? <laughs> At least for me, this is what happens. The other person is torn down. And what happens with me? I'm lifted up, right? We do a lot of mental gymnastics. We rationalize and we try to convince ourselves of this one thing. At least I'm not like them. So in all things good, as it usually happens, this was tested for me this week, dadgummit. And I'm going to tell you about it. As many of you know at Grace, we have grown accustomed to never being surprised by who God brings to our campus. People just show up. I'm always amazed at how people get here. Some just once, others often, and then others regularly. And David is one of those folks who comes often. I might say a lot. And his usual questions consist of two. Number one, do you have any chicken? And the second question is, do you have a plastic bag? Literally, every time he walks into the office door, he asks these same questions. And for those of you all who have encountered David, you know. I'm telling the truth, aren't I? Shake your head yes, you know, or give me a smile. To say these questions and encounters get old after having heard them asked numerous times a day is an understatement. 
But he continues to come. And guess what? We continue to help. Well, this week I was seated at my desk talking to Mother Nan, a rare occasion where two female priests get to chat for a bit. And in walks David. Bum rushes my office, just walks in. And he was carrying something. I thought it was curious because he wasn't asking for anything. And so in his hand was a snow globe filled with water with a huge yellow rose floating on the inside. I'd never seen anything like it before. And with a huge smile on his face, he said, Mother Suzanne, I dug this out of the dumpster just for you. I want you to have it. Oh, mercy. Well, he then proceeded. He set it on my desk, turned around, and he walked away. Mother Nan and I looked at one another, and we chuckled, because this really hadn't happened to me before. It was quite the scene, I must admit. I was a bit taken aback, maybe even a little appalled that he gave me something out of the dumpster. Feelings came over me. Oh my gosh, I'm too good for this. This is really strange. This is kind of gross. You can keep your yellow rose snow globe. I don't want it. All of those feelings welled up on the inside of me, right? Well, I let it sit on my desk overnight and then removed it from my desk the next day and put it back in the dumpster. But since then, I've reflected on this interaction and I've asked myself, which I ask myself a million times a day, what was the invitation from God in this interaction? It was so strange and so odd. And as I've thought about it since it's happening, as clear as day, in my spirit, it came to me. This man only knows to take, and he takes a lot, probably a lot more than what most people take from our blessing box and our blessing fridge. And this yellow rose floating in this round snow globe I've come to see was in some way his offering, a gift to me, a gift to this place, grace and yes it came from the dumpster and yes he was inside the dumpster and dug it out and yes it was really dirty and gross but it was a gift it was in some way David saying you give me a lot I'd like to give you something I was really quick to judge to be grossed out and annoyed by his offering. The thought came to my mind, well, I would never give someone a gift that came from the dumpster. But David did. And for me, the invitation from God was just this, Suzanne, this is his offering. This is what he can give. This is what he can do. So with this conviction and change in my heart, I've decided to be a bit more patient with David. 
to offer him what I can in grace, to be mindful of this one thing, that he too is a child of God. He needs mercy, just like I need mercy. So I will ask the same of you this morning. Can you take inventory? Think about it right now. Can you take inventory of those relationships or interactions where our normal way of interacting is one in which you think, I'm better, or at least I'm not her? Southern, another way, in the sweet Southern expression, those interactions or relationships where you walk away saying, bless her little heart. Think about those relationships right now. And can you instead like the tax collector, see yourself as a sinner too in need of mercy. Just as much as everyone else does, not better than anyone else. Can we instead see our neighbors as children of God rather than objects to conquer, compare ourselves to, or be better than, or just dismiss them by saying, bless his heart? I will be honest with you, this is work for me. I will admit, and that is why I shared the story about David this morning. So I give you a challenge just as much as I challenge myself. As you move about the world this week, as you inhabit your space, whatever space that is, Look for the ways that God brings unexpected gifts your way. Sometimes his grace might be disguised as a yellow rose floating in a snow globe pulled out of the dumpster. Lord, have mercy. And what I would ask of you is this. Remember the kingdom of God is one in which everything is turned upside down. And sometimes it comes out of the dumpster. But I also will remind you of this, that his grace comes to us in the most surprising ways, through the most surprising people. Don't dismiss them. Don't say bless their hearts. See them as children of God. Ask God to send them your way. And love them. In the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.